This is your host, Nick, and today on International Men's Day, I am here with the Gen Z programmer, shitposter, <laughs> and meme lord known as Rune. He goes by the handle of at TSZZL on Twitter.com and even has his own currency called RuneCoin. Rune, welcome. What's up, man? I'm not sure I've ever gotten an introduction before. That was kind of nuts. <laughs> Just full full on ecstasy to start. Yeah, That's... yeah, yeah. It's T Sizzle, by the way, for the fans. Oh, T Sizzle, like like yeah. um is that people, like a rapper thing? People don't get this. Um actually I think he's like some linebacker or something. Oh. And I do not at all look like a linebacker. So it's like uh I don't know, an ironic nickname. <laughs> So speaking of International Men's Day, I just got home from work and uh, work gave all the men at the company a pair of Sperry Topsider socks and one of these Livestrong bracelet things that say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know, to celebrate International Men's Day. Do you agree that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Yeah, that's actually completely true. Anyone who does machine learning knows this. Go that's on. A great, that's a gradient descent ideology. Anything that um, anything that gives you a signal to improve on uh, will make you better. And as long as you're not dead, you're getting better. All right. That's my that's my take on the subject. I'm also really curious why your work is celebrating International Men's Day. That does not sound uh, like a, a normal thing to do, but that's kind of cool, I guess. Yes, it was surprising. The actual answer of um, of why they were doing it, I overheard from a fellow manager. They said that it was because um, men don't really get a lot of uh, holidays. Holidays, <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. So they were like, they were throwing us a bone, a, a bone and some some okay. very topsider socks. Fair enough. Yeah, but like I think men don't really need holidays because every Saturday is for the boys, and so every week we have a holiday. So I think of you as being at the apex of not only FinTwit but also current <clears throat> affairs Twitter, like there with Eigen. And when it comes to memes, you could probably mm. teach drill a thing or two. So. To what do you no attribute? <laughs> to what do you attribute your outsized success? Okay, um, I am not at all at the forefront of current affairs Twitter. Uh, I don't know fucking anything that's happening at all ever. Period. Um, I'm not like Igen who uh, Igen really knows. Yeah, he knows he's, like he's hardcore. Yeah, dude, this guy does like tweet threads on like uh, individual White House press conferences and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, but, like, right, right, right. But like does it in such a way that it's actually not clear to anybody what his opinion is on it. Like uh, beautiful, illegible eigen. But um, no, I really don't know what's going on ever. And even if I do, uh, it's like, like only for the sake of making a joke about it. I don't know. I don't know. Like uh, to answer your other question, why am I successful? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm like autistic enough for like post rats, but also like 
normy enough for like uh, I don't know, like a more broad mainstream appeal. I don't know. I, I just combined the two in a successful fusion. That's my thought here. I think you have to be slightly autistic to be funny, but if you're too autistic, then uh, like you're not going to make jokes that make sense to anybody. So it's like uh, it's a fine line walking the razor's edge here. I find this connection interesting. Like, in what way are post rats autistic, and why is autism required to be funny? Is it just like that? It makes you like, if you're neurotypical, then you're like essentially a normie, and you're just always fitting in, and so you can't be funny because funniness requires you to be outside the normal. Or how do you think about that? Something like that. And look, I'm not, I don't mean autistic in like the literal disability kind of way. <laughs> I mean it in like the internet meme kind of way, but um, yeah. So nobody cancel me, please. Um, I, I know people overuse that, but it's like actually just a funny joke and it describes a lot of this very well, I think. Um, I would say, yeah, like people that are the most funny are like, slight outsiders but like are still plugged in enough to like know what they're talking about um they do see things from like a different angle and i don't know like that it's like uh it's definitely much easier for people who are like slightly awkward but not like crazy awkward in um what's the book uh the master and his emissary he literally refers to like schizophrenia and autism when it concerns like goal orientation and like thinking about the world in a directed way um and like mm. a logical way or a straightforward way um but it's actually sounds like the the meme autism is actually kind of the opposite it's it's kind of strange right how how like autism the um you know what like Elon Musk has yeah uh, yeah how that is like it 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 does both in a certain kind of way because yeah. i think that being so logical and so straightforward in your thinking is just so non-socialized that yeah. it it puts you in this you know weird yeah, he's state. not actually a good poster um like you know like he gets off jokes that make people laugh but without the context of him being elon like it would not be funny um because you know he just like just straightforwardly goes to the front page of reddit takes like the third or fourth meme and then like posts it on Twitter and then gets like a million likes, which is like kind of dope, I guess. That's a nice grift, but um, like <laughs> he, he doesn't have the, uh, I don't know. It, it almost feels like, yeah, he almost became famous so that he could be a poster and people would listen to him. Speaking of the Musk, uh, how would you rank crazy super powerful billionaires from like best to worst just in a completely arbitrary way mm. so like you're talking about elon being a, a shitty poster so not not specifically a poster because they're pretty much all very bad posters he's probably the best poster of them all yeah that's true in part because he does post and the other ones don't correct so how would you how do you rank the the titans of of tech okay um I think Elon is definitely number one, like for just a bunch of obvious reasons. Like he's the one you can point to and like, I don't know, most people are kind of in agreement that building cars is cool. Electric cars, even cooler. 
and rockets much cooler than that so mm-hmm. like it's, there's not much yeah. debate there and, and it's Bezos is really just following in his footsteps right? yeah yeah i i think every person of a certain i don't know like upbringing or mentality like wants to build rockets so it's like a clear envy <laughs> there yeah um like software engineers they're like 90 percent of them wish they were like probably building rockets instead so they're just like yeah. uh um like sort of like envious but also like uh, admiration it's so like yeah if you clone dinosaurs <clears throat> he couldn't be much more cool than everything he's already doing you know yeah and he might do that by the end of his days anyway probably man i hope someone does but um yeah i think it's basically impossible because the, the dna is all completely fucked so you have to like either predict it based on like um is completely designing a genome from scratch, which is maybe impossible, yeah. definitely very hard. Or like you have to backtrace from current living organisms, I guess, which is also yeah. like maybe impossible. So I don't know. All right. But idea, idea. Think of what, what if there's a mosquito that was trapped in amber? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, I wish, but like no matter what it's trapped in, the cosmic rays will shred the DNA to dust over a uh, hundred million years. So. It's fuck. Yeah, that's not very nice of them. No. So after Elon, who's number two? Fuck, man. I don't know. Like, I think definitely Steve Jobs before he died. I, was he even a billionaire? I don't know. Like, he's honorarily a billionaire. Like, he, he was one of the, um, like, only tech guys with, like, obvious entertainment appeal. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Like, his his shows, um, um. I don't know, like enough has been said about Steve Jobs. I don't need to sing his praises. He's just like a fucking master showman and all that shit. Yeah. And in the same way that Elon had has mediocre posts, Steve Jobs wore like mediocre jeans, you know, so they really they share a lot in common. True. But he still he still had fucking drip somehow, you know, with his like turtleneck and everything, even with his mom jeans, like he still looked pretty good. So. So uh, you wrote, my dad would kill himself if he knew about my $60 haircuts, but the value of looking good is literally astronomical. So what's your take on people that live with the scarcity mindset in, you know, what we live in now, which is post-war America? Oh, man, that was a hell of a question. I don't know, dude. Like, fuck if I know. Like, I... I don't feel qualified to give anybody financial advice, but I will say like um, all of my friends are like some of the wealthiest people that have ever existed. And like, that doesn't mean they're like uh, multimillionaires or anything. It's just that they have high expected earnings and they're like, you know, they're in the booming best industry in the world at the moment. And they all kind of live like they're like terrified of everything collapsing and going to zero. I don't know. Maybe there's some wisdom in that, but personally, I don't see it. Like, it just seems like a cowardly way to live. Like, if if it's not you, like, who is it gonna be? Like, you're like these people are some of the folks with the least to lose. Like, they could be unemployed yeah. for the next five years and still be perfectly happy and never experience like real scarcity. You know. I, I, it just like, uh, it bums me out when they're like penny pinching and like, I don't know, they turn down like, uh, 
slightly riskier opportunities because they're afraid. Yeah, it's just like, it's not cool. It's like unvirtuous in a way to be that scared of like things going wrong. So what you're talking about actually reminds me of, um, I think it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he said, because you are lukewarm, neither uh-huh. hot nor cold, I'm mm. about to spit you out of my mouth. And this is kind of like the way in which people don't live in, you know, NGMI or or Wagami, but they, they live in like in between mm. in this kind of like, I'm going to try to quote unquote make it by like. The twilight of making it. Yes, exactly. The twilight of making it. And um, when that mentality is despised by the greats, such as Jesus Christ, um, you just have to really look at it. I think you're right. This is a this is a, this is the first podcast I've been invited really? on Twitter, so I will I will uh, treasure this. Yeah, and ne- like never invited. Um, okay, I think to be honest, like Eigen had an open invite, but I just like uh. never took it. And also, Drew had an open invite back when, back when Drew was around. AO cummies. Um, AOC cummies, yeah, or AO cummies, whatever. He was he was the father of my generation of posters, but he's gone now. May he rest in peace. Is he? Why doesn't he just make an make an alt? He has made several art alts, and they've all been taken down by Twitter. I don't really know how they know. And at any rate, I think like he doesn't want to be back on. Like he understands to some degree that it wasn't like good for him. So yeah, it's maybe not good for anyone. But to what yeah. to to what do you attribute, Daddy AOC Cummies, or like? Yeah. What, in, in what way does in what way does he inspire you? He was just fucking really funny. Yeah, he, he just had an instinct for comedic timing. Like he would like dunk on the right thing at the right time. He would like jump on the right crass meme. I don't know. Like it's just uh, it's not one thing. It's just like the confluence of some. I know someone who has been online for like a really long time and has like honed their craft of like uh, being a master shit poster. Like I'm sure that guy was on like 4chan when he was 10, and it's all like downhill from there, or perhaps uphill depending on your view. But I can tell he's been around for a while and like he's just good at what he does. Maybe too good. That's why I had to leave. Have you seen the documentary Free Solo? Uh, is that the tightrope guy? It's a no. Um, the tightrope guy is a guy that like walked across a tightrope between two tall buildings. Yeah. For some reason, but Free Solo is about a guy that just like it's actually the opposite of what you described with no rope. He climbs mm-hmm. up mountains. Mm-hmm. So in, instead of horizontal, he goes vertical. And without mm-hmm. having, where the one guy has nothing but a, a, a long rope, the other guy has no rope at all. True. Fair enough. But it's basically the, just this guy that goes up like these impossibly um, difficult mountains, you know, that people would not like try to climb under any circumstances. And he does it just like with his free hands and some powder. In the long run, you're just going to fly too close to the sun in some way. And I think that's what happened with AO, yeah. as I used to call him. Possibly. <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, just taking too many risks. And mm-hmm. he, did fly, he did fly close to the sun, that's for sure. 
the son being Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, um, he tweeted something fully knowing that it would suspend him. He suicided his account. He wasn't like, um, you know, he wasn't taken down in his prime or anything like that. I think it just got, I think it just got to him. Like, um, you know, like he was like a controversial personality, right? So like, yeah. at any time, half of his quote tweets should be like vitriolic and kind of shitting on him, which is fair because he wasn't like a nice account or anything. And that's yeah. good. Like, it's like, um, there's no alpha left in being a completely nice account. You got to be at least a little mean. Yeah, I'm not going to soul read AO, but, uh, you know, he's, he's he was a cool cat or is a cool cat if he's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, speaking of cats, you strike me as the kind of guy that has a cat. Do you have a cat? I don't have a cat. Uh, I ask because my, my cat's been eating my poinsettias and uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, I don't have any advice. Maybe, maybe fucking... I don't know, like there's some cat repellent and spray around the pot. I don't know. I've heard through the grapevine that there are multiple ways to skin a cat and I've actually not tried even one. Huh. I was thinking of going to, you know. Are you in support of the patriarchy? Yes. Go on. No comment. This is my Diet Coke. Move on. Next question. (laughs) You've said that you would like to increase your attention span to better focus on your life's work, which you often put off to browse Twitter. Tell me more about the tension. Where are you finding this shit, man? Like, you know my own Twitter account better than I do. (laughs) When did I even say that? That's amazing. Good for you. You did your research. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Tell me more about the tension between like what you want to do and what you end up doing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of us deal with this where, you know, we want to work out or we want to be better. So we look to self-help and we we try to, you know, do something differently. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I can I can speak about a little bit because I've been stepping away from Twitter a little bit because of life circumstances. Uh-huh. And um, it actually feels not great when I'm not like engaged or interacting with, you know, the social fabric of Twitter as much, it, it feels like you're, you're not as sharp. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of, it's kind of like, there's no winning in a certain way because to write a book, you need to like go full Jung and like go into a castle. Yeah. You know? Walden ponding. Yeah. Right. And somehow buy that castle first, which is, um, you know, yeah. Hard these days. Fine. Okay, but um, I, I'll say this. I've taken time off of Twitter. And the first thing I noticed is that, in fact, my executive function, like, skyrocketed. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I just remembered more things at work and home that I had to do. Wasn't getting distracted by, you know, fucking asinine meme that I had to produce right that second to, like, maximize the, uh, you know the returns, the engagement, whatever. But on the other hand, I just like spent a lot of time watching Netflix instead. So like, that wasn't Mm. good. That's actually like a downgrade in terms of time spent. Um, Because, you know, it's just completely passive and probably not doing much for you. And then 
the, but the thing is, there's no like uh, ambient kind of tension where you're scrolling every five minute break that you get. And it's like something's going on on Twitter that's on your mind, which like definitely decreases your like total capacity for focus. Right. But yeah. at the same time, like, I don't know, this shit is awesome. It's the greatest show on earth. I can't imagine logging off, especially now that like uh, my account has gotten some traction and like, it just gets me a lot of, uh, a lot of leads for all kinds of shit, even in the real world. Like my current job, I got it because somebody retweeted it onto my feed. Like someone tweeted, I'm hiring and like Halvor has retweeted it and yeah. that's what I'm doing now. So that's awesome. Wild. Yeah. And I mean, just everything like that. Half my friends now are off of Twitter and like, uh, I could not like permanently log off. But what I do notice is that, you know, when people quit something they're completely bored with and like join something that's actually interesting to them, they start tweeting way less. And Mm -hmm. that tells me that it's just that their real world was fucking boring. And that's why they're tweeting so much. And like, for the most part, it's probably because the online is just better than their daily life. And is that a bad thing? I probably not like it's like a net good for them right yeah i i wrote that like the the main driver of like twitter is um people that don't pay rent and people that work in tech three hours a day mm-hmm. at most and this this touches on what you're saying about um you know people not having a lot to do in the real world but i think like there's actually like some subset of people and they're not necessarily needs but some subset of people that have a little bit of room mm-hmm. to do all of this stuff and something that works into what you're describing regarding your life being on twitter and everything is that a lot of the reason that i've been engaging less and hosting the show less and um all of that is that like I got a girlfriend mm-hmm. who I know through Twitter. Yeah. It kind of like, it all works together, right? That Yeah. Um, We're all going to make it, brother. Let's see. Let's see. Fucking. Let's see. Off ramp. Making little tweeters. Yeah. Junior posters that have talents that multiply their parents' posting levels, you know? In the making. Coming soon. It seems like you have some gripes with a lot of what we encounter on Twitter. So like, do I uh, specifically, <laughs> specifically like this corner of Twitter, mm-hmm. what about it? Like rubs you the wrong way because it, it definitely has this certain personality about well, it. It doesn't, it doesn't like, let me start off by saying like, um, you know, you only criticize things that you actually like, right? Like you don't bother wasting your time criticizing stuff that's like completely stupid it's just like um boring i I just block people that i'm not interested in hearing from or like mute them or whatever yeah right but i like actually i don't have any problem with like or this corner of twitter or whatever you mean by that like they're all fun i like hanging out with them let me let me clarify a little you said that the ethos of Twitter to you is that we're all watching humanity evolve and just making funny commentary on mm-hmm. it. 
in the era in which most of us have realized that there's no grand design and <laughs> we're struggling to find meaning and community anyway. And you don't want someone selling you a grand design. How uh, do you think like oh, the Jordan oh, yeah. Peterson meaning mm-hmm. crisis, you know, makes up the environment in which we operate, right? Because this is like, we all kind of know about the meaning crisis. Mm. But like, there's definitely like this whole um, terrible barrier that everybody's got either behind them or ahead of them. And I think this is like the meaning crisis that um, everybody's trying to figure out what their purpose is as if they can ever figure that out. Mm. And it's just this terrible monster of an experience. But what do you think about this thing that people are fighting against or kind of gave up on? It's a, it's a good question. Um, there's this one thing uh, that I don't remember who tweeted it. It's like one of the right wing dudes. Love them. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Love them or hate them, though. This one was like accurate. It was more or less like, you know, all of your ancestors that were content, they just fucking died out because they were outcompeted by the discontent, kind of eternally hungry ambitious like uh people and you're kind of their like their descendants right you're descended from the people who are not happy enough to sit still and like just vibe and enjoy so i don't know there's something to that when you I'm, i'm sure you've had this experience right where you're like driving down the road and you suddenly recognize that pretty much everything you see is either handmade by mankind or the product of like knowledge perpetuating itself through time via life. Mm -hmm. And um, that I feel like actually imbues everything with its own kind of purpose, including the problems, including anxiety, including psychopaths, Mm -hmm. including whoever your stepdad happens to be. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's uh, like the eternal computation of uh, humankind, right? We're computing the culture one step into the future. I think that's what that, tweet was saying the eternal twitter timeline you know right so all this is just to say that pretty much everything in as cliche as you could possibly get in saying that everything has a purpose is to say that like this knowledge that is being expressed now has perpetuated itself through time for some reason there's some reason it's alive Mm -hmm. and the reason you know like memetically there the reason that it is alive through us is because it serves some purpose through time, which doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, like it's just like the whole, uh, like the whole Lindy principle thing, right? It's mm-hmm. Cultural evolution and like all the mythologies that we have now were, you know, hard fought for, and that gives it meaning on its own. I agree. My last guest was my friend Visa Khan V. Mm-hmm. who you once said comes off as if he's trying to sell self-help books or start mm-hmm. a religion. For mm-hmm. what it's worth, it does seem like a lot of us have engaged with like the self-help narrative. Mm-hmm. And if only through like philosophy, you know, Nietzsche, whatever. Mm-hmm. The surface of the shit poster is clearly ironic, but what's more ironic to me is that most of us deeply care about either, you know, these grander notions of, of the way that we should act, but also just the community itself and, and fostering its liveliness. Can you expand on what's wrong 
with someone doing things like Visa does or differentiate between um, someone that's kind of more of a cheerleader versus what you might call some of the more caring shit posters? It's a it's a deep taxonomy that I don't know I have an opinion on, but like here's what I'll say. And at this point, I think I have a cult of my own, so I'm not sure I'm in any position to like criticize. But it, it it's there's one thing where it seems like a person is intentionally cultivating like a a guruness or like a spiritual leader vibes that I don't enjoy. Like I. I there's actually a difference between like Jordan Peterson and like, I don't know, some of these people on Twitter. Jordan Peterson, I think, was just giving lectures and then like somebody eventually ended up uploading them to YouTube and just got insanely famous off of it. He didn't even set out with the goal of being like a spiritual leader. Like, a- I, th- I think definitely not. I can actually, I'll, I'll quickly comment on this. Um, so Jordan Peterson actually answered a question on Quora. As like a professor, just like mm-hmm. a professor answering a question about meaning. Yeah. Because he cared about the meaning crisis. And it became like one of the most popular answers on Quora of all time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was because of this that he started writing his his book that's like the 12 something something blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so he took that just one answer on Quora that was super popular and turned it into a book in the same way that Dale Carnegie um, wrote how to win friends and influence people. And yeah. so it was basically the same formula. And um, so it, I think it reflects exactly what you're saying, which is that he didn't really like intend to do it. Mm. He just found something that worked really well and he dug in. Right. The thing is, I don't know. I feel like it's, I, I don't have a principled view on this. If the person comes off as genuine and intelligent, then fine. Like they should be writing books, whatever. But there are people that just exude the opposite of that to me who are also writing books. And I don't know, they maybe have an inflated sense of self-importance, but it's like not worth fighting over it. Yeah, like how do you distinguish? Like intuition, vibes. Can I, can I really break it down? I don't know. Like, like one man's religious leader is another man's like grifter, right? I would put it this way. I feel like you're, if you're generous enough... Mm-hmm. then you can see the man inside the grift, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you can see at least, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt enough to be like, they're trying to do better because mm-hmm. um, before I even get into it, I, I love Visa. Like I, I think he's a great guy and mm-hmm. I think he has great intentions and I think what he's doing is important. And I think if he keeps doing it, he's going to get better and better and it's going to be great. Um, I'm totally team visa. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I can admit that like initially I thought he was, I even told him, I thought he was onanistic. Um, <laughs> okay. Translate that for me. I don't know what that means. <clears throat> onanism is masturbation. Mm, yeah. And so somebody that's onanistic is somebody that like kind of celebrates themselves in such a way that is for its own good. Yeah. Uh, like mm-hmm. for, for the celebration itself, mm-hmm. you know, over time I go, oh, okay, this guy is deeply genuine and yeah. really cares and is putting a lot of effort into this and is really dedicating himself to something that he believes in. Yeah. You know. So like, here's the thing, right? Um, when your account is purely about introspection, mm-hmm. it is extremely hard not to come off as 
onanistic to put it in your own words like um yeah. introspection is almost like necessarily masturbatory and yeah. there's like few people that do it to any uh like any degree of like adding new value to the world um it, it's like really difficult i would say uh and and like honestly this may be like a fundamental difference between my account and like the like most of the other people in this sphere is like I don't know. I don't like to do introspective threads. I like to talk about some dumb memes or like some shit that's going on in tech or like maybe maybe I veer into like uh, like introspection sometimes. Yeah. And I'm honestly like kind of embarrassed when I do it. I'm like, fuck, I'm being self-indulgent. Like I shouldn't do this. Like let's go back to saying things that are useful for other people. And, and like there are people that will vehemently disagree with me on that. They're going to say that actually introspection is far more useful than talking about any of the external circumstances of the world. Um, and, and like, maybe that's true, but I will never see eye to eye with that viewpoint. I remember someone like, I think fucking deep fates, like hit it on the head, about the difference between uh, like my account and Visa's account, like she made some, or he made some obscure reference to like a Neil Stevenson novel where it's like, it's like, the far future there's like a group of humans that um consider matter to have value without the observation of humans and the other group that only considers matter to have value if it's observed by humans or something like that and uh like i'm definitely in like the first camp you know things have value whether a human observes it or not and maybe that's like i don't know a very basic level of disagreement with like post strats and guru types and all that shit you know to tie this to my own understanding have you mm -hmm. read like um zen and uh zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance yeah I i've read like half of it in that book he talks about quality and so he, he starts the book by talking about his pursuit of the understanding of what quality is and he i, I would say a little bit more than halfway through the book maybe you just missed on it on, on the whole point but he talks about how like quality is not in the object and it's not in the subject, but it is actually the creator of the subject and the object. That mm. quality kind of transcends, conceptually transcends the separation between the subject and the object. Um, and the quality is basically the, the joining, the oneness of these two things. Yeah. Like, can a thing have quote unquote value outside of a person? Well, that depends on whether like the concept of value attributes value, right? right. So I, I haven't read this Neil Stevenson book. And Anathem. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you're talking about introspection. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, the main difference is that the Buddha had the uh, benefit of not having Twitter. So he had like the introspection of inquietude. And I think this is true for a lot of us where like... If the internet was real when I was young, mm -hmm. I would be in a lot of trouble. But basically, we had true opinions mm -hmm. as children mm -hmm. that are not approved of by polite society today. Yeah. And um, the fact that people think that individuals perpetuate through time to any degree, which mm -hmm. is, for the record, insane, is... Um, like blameworthy, okay. 
I think Derek Parfi would agree with you. But I haven't read his very, very long book. And I, you know, if anybody gets a chance to speak to him, you know, maybe request that he writes a shorter book. But <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll send him an email. Yeah. Send us a, send us a fucking 100 page abridged copy. Yeah. I would love it. Honestly, like I was just a fucking big baller, aka dumbass, and just said insane shit on like Facebook instead because that was really the first social media I had when I like came of age, right? Like maybe I was like 12 or 13 yeah. when I made it. Didn't really start using it until I was like say 14. But I would just say like fucked up shit because you know we were all just ex- like exploring concepts back then. Like, yeah. There are people that young on Twitter now. Like uh, I wasn't stupid back then. I like went back and read some of the stuff, and I was like, wow, this is surprisingly cogent. Because like most people hate their old writing. I was more like, yeah, actually, this kind of makes sense. I understand why I would think this at that age. But like still, I just went and deleted it all because it's just not worth the risk at all and if someone has cashed it well then i'm basically fucked but i don't know i I think people also worry too much about cancellation because like the actual risk of being canceled does not seem to expand with like the attack surface you provide it's more like just insanely random like black swan events where you know a bunch of things happen on the internet that cause like outrage mobs and like there are people that don't post at all who get canceled because of like a radio show like 20 years ago or something. And then there's like people like us who schizo post five times a day and we're probably never going to get like quote unquote canceled. I'm not going to rag on anybody for their OPSEC concerns, especially like uh, there are people that really do need their OPSEC because they say wild shit online. But like my account, quite frankly, I think I'd be fine even without OPSEC. Yeah. Like I think Ayla tweeted something about this. She was like, people in our part of Twitter, like the sort of rationalist, post-rationalist slash whatever, mm-hmm. are, you know, like slightly less courageous than is virtuous. I would I would counter that. I, I would counter it with the mere fact that if I was myself online, I would be no more interesting. That would be no better. No, no, I, I completely agree. That's why I'm not going to go with my real face, real name. I like this like personality, this persona better, this avatar and all this shit. Like it's just way funnier as an account, you know, fucking Carlos smirking. Yeah. It's just, it's good. It makes sense. Like, Eigenrobot should not use his real name. Like the robot is cute. So I I agree with you that um that basically like being a real name, real face is just kind of boring. Yeah. Um, but I also think that like I was saying in my head she rhymes with paella. Yeah, I actually have no idea how it's pronounced. I'm pretty sure it's like a Greek thing, and it's like Ayla or Ayla. some. That's mm-hmm. terrible. I hate saying that. I hate saying that. <laughs> So, but, but what she's saying about like how people being afraid is like, it's, it's sort of a faux concept. It's kind of real in that, like, there are people that try to blow you up, like, uh, rip, Mm -hmm. um, Mr. Bowser. Yeah. Mr. Bowser. Mm -hmm. And like, he was a real loss to this community. Like he was one of those pillars of, uh, he he was load bearing and. Um, accurate so accurate 
Yeah, so losing losing him was rough. Well, I, like I I know him I know him like personally at this point, and he is one of the people that really does like need OPSEC because he's in like such a yeah public facing kind of like big yeah. position that he just needs it. So yeah, I will carve out an exception for him. Yeah, and it's like we're if any of us are powerful or intend to be powerful, then um then I think OPSEC is important, but there's also like the perspective that you can be Trump, you know, mm-hmm. that like you can say dark shit. Sure. With just like the force yeah. of personality, like you carve your own like kind of career, right? Like that's true. Like it's kind of what Elon does as well. Just says fucked up shit. Same with Kanye. I think that the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is the reification of the reality of like the infrastructure as it has been is the way it will be. And this is the problem with people that go through college and think that their degree is going to buy them a career. And this is the problem with people that are in a career and mm-hmm. think that the, the traditional method of mobility is going to lead to a life of success and happiness. And mm-hmm. this leads to so many things that confuse people into thinking that if they go by someone else's rules, they can live their own life. And that's not right. true, right? That's yeah. not true which is was hard hard earned by me when I left the finance industry. Agreed. I mean, like what you say, um, I completely agree with. But then there's also like two ways to respond to that. One of which is to like dig your heels in, right? Be like, I'm only doing the things that are Lindy because they're going to stand the test of time, even in uncertain futures. Like I'm going to, I don't know, like I'm going to be a doctor because doctors have been around for quite a long time they'll probably last quite a bit longer you know and then there's the other thing which is more like my way of thinking it's like it's actually just insanely unpredictable and you're gonna have to be more adaptable than ever going forward absolutely that's the only way to make it the restaurant to which lindy refers is no longer open and there there are a lot of things that are quote unquote lindy but not thriving you know they're alive but you know, what use is just being alive? It's not It's not that cool. You can put all of this in quotation marks because I don't mm-hmm. fucking know anything. But there was some study that showed like that there is no predictability regarding what species will continue to exist. And I, I feel like evolution as a marketplace is much more predictive than like some very vague human concept that we can like shoehorn into... Um, some social studies program mm. such that like if if species as as we claim them cannot be predicted to be um more survival whether they're old or new whether they're sharks or you know some beetle that was created 50 years ago then like we we don't really have a really good concept of what's going to pervade through time which leads to my next question. What do you think about millionaires that got rich squeezing GameStop stock trying to buy the American Constitution? Um, incredibly based just because it's like stupid and ambitious and something that I can participate in sitting in my fucking sitting on my ass doing nothing. So it's the best of all possible worlds. I like it. Plus, like some of my friends are involved in it i guess like yeah it's just cool but they got fucking rug pulled by 
my man, Kenneth Griffin. So it's over for them. I really wish they got it though. Like I, I do wish they got it. Like I, I support the concept a hundred percent. Yeah. It's cool. Dude. Like the GameStop thing was just fucking amazing. I've never had so much fun on the internet. Just like fucking spreading fake news about like, I don't know. Citadel is trying to take us down. Don't sell. This is, this is really fun. But yeah, I, I just, I feel like this is a wave, right? Like this is not the yeah. end of no, the, like, people this, trying to. This concerted action of like, like sort of wealthy people on the internet that form like extremely, you know, organic, like instantaneous organizations that spring up in like a matter of days and like fund $40 million to, you know, buy something like that's yeah. just really cool, like pretty powerful. And it's going to, it's going to affect shit in like quite unpredictable ways going forward. And I'm like really excited to see what happens. Like even the GameStop thing, which to be honest is like, it was kind of stupid. It was like more or less um, <clears throat> a pump and dump scheme paired with like a little bit of technical analysis to like yeah. ruin those like Citron research people. It seemed to scare people, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it was scary for obvious reasons. They, like, pumped the stock, like, an order of magnitude more than what it's, like, really worth, than what anybody knows it's worth. It's not even, like, a typical bubble where it's, like, uh, it's not a lie. It's more, like, hype, you know? But point being, it was fun anyway. I knew it was a pump and dump, and I still wanted to participate because it was that fun. And Like, like Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. That level of meme is like scary powerful. And I hope that there are many such things in the future that I can participate in, if not just for the chaos value. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Paul Romer who said something like, It's going to zero, but it might go a lot higher before then. <laughs> it's just like you he's like, it could be thirty years before it goes to zero. And he's basically just like kind of kind of selling it, but I don't think it's going to zero. Not now, not ever. I think Bitcoin may actually outlast USD, even if just as a meme, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it really doesn't rely on any like any real group of people to continue existing. Right. There could be some sub network of Internet nodes somewhere still running Bitcoin. I, I actually wrote recently, I, I asked, is Bitcoin too big to fail? The question is, like, if enough say Americans own crypto. If it's if it's a big enough holding of regular people, then does <laughs> the government have to prop it up at a certain point in the same way that they would need to prop up their own currency? Like too many people losing too much money at the same oh, time man. is going to be very damaging. That's hilarious. Holy fuck. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't I can't say, but I, I really I really doubt it, but I also want the US government to prop up Bitcoin because I think that'd be really funny. When at a certain point it has all, to, right? Like when every Robin Hood kitty goes bankrupt and they have to like bail them out. Yeah, I'm gonna have a lot of fun. The way I see it is that if another currency in America gets big enough and threatens to go to zero That's true. With the Federal Reserve, I don't know shit about this. Is it a trillion dollars? They need monetary control of Bitcoin and they will seek it, won't they? There's no easy way to control it. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know if you could single-handedly buy a trillion dollars of Bitcoin. I also don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not a crypto guy. But um, 
my my intuition is that if they were worried about the control of it, then they would just try to kill it by, you know, like banning all crypto transactions at home or like shutting down the exchanges and that kind of thing. You're not going to kill Bitcoin itself, but you could like destroy 90% of its value, like a matter of a few days by, uh, you know, shutting down Coinbase and just banning its transaction in the US and in Europe. And I think that would be enormously destructive. Yeah, they shouldn't do it, but. You joked about a guy who continually re-rolls his personality via psychedelics mm. until it best serves the production economy. The concept of re-rolling your personality communicates really well all the ways that psychedelics can go right and how it can go wrong. What do you think about experimenting with psychedelics? Um, I don't know. I've done it before. The first time I had fun and it was like a purely positive experience, I would say. Just like felt more connected and in tune with everything. It's like the classic kind of LSD experience, I feel like, what people want. And then the second time was like way more dark. And it was like, I don't know. I was just uh, in my own head about like legacy and like uh, guaranteed mortality and you know, like everybody I know is going to die. Like, What do we leave here behind and all this shit? It didn't help that I was watching fucking like um, some documentary about like, I don't know, like the solar system's death or something while I was tripping. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was like these galaxies like forming and being destroyed. And I was like, what the fuck, man? It's we're so uh, we're so ethereal. It's uh, fucking Ecclesiastes, right? All vanity. I don't know. I don't think I took the right lesson from it. I just redoubled my efforts and I was like, I got to figure out a way to do something that leaves some legacy. I don't think, I don't think you're going to die, Rune. Why, why is that? Oh, it's, it's because I think every moment is eternal in its own way. So that like this, you listening to my voice as I speak, I think that you will continually be experiencing this in this moment as you are forever. Mm. That um, I, I hate to say it as, as I repeat it over and over again, but I don't think time is real. So I, I don't think there's such a thing as a future or a past, but I think that like in this moment that like the reason that this moment feels infinitely small is because it's actually eternal and timeless. It's extremely brief in its experience as it is remembered, but it can only be remembered mm -hmm. because as it's experienced in a timeless way, um, there's no time oriented with that. So if, if we're ego oriented, or if we're um, action-oriented or goal-oriented, then we're only ever going to be experiencing this flowing of time. But you're not going to die because we're going to experience all of our lives forever as we are in those individual moments. You're welcome. Okay, based. Very arrival-pilled. I don't know. I got to say, like, uh, I, I hear many things like this, but these, like, these, like kind of high-level verbal abstractions do not comfort me, you know? So my question for you, Mr. Rune, is are people pathologically conflict avoidant? And if so, how? They are. But honestly, maybe that's a good thing. It's certainly like, um, it was a thing I was saying before. I don't think everybody should always be nice forever. It is. It feels very forced. It's not like 
uh, like a real community has conflict. Okay. I've been to my grandparents' village where their family has lived for like hundreds of fucking years. Who, who the hell knows? There, there is like, it's a very tight knit community, but they also have like real conflicts, like different families that don't like each other. Like those conflicts make a community real in some sense. Like you cannot be friendly with everybody forever. I don't know. That's just my intuition. But the thing is that you, you say people are pathologically conflict avoiding, which which suggests that there there's something wrong with it, right? That that it's a disorder. It, it, it's certainly like the people in like our kind of corner of Twitter are in fact like extremely conflict avoidant. Um, I, like not maybe not the general like Twitter population. Obviously, Twitter is a fucking war zone. I remember like I think it was like Elon who said this. Like he's like Twitter is a war zone. Like if you get on, you cannot expect people to be nice to you. You can't be like a a journalist complaining that the comments are mean. No, like it's a war zone. If you get on, you have to prepare for that. But I suppose like our corner of Twitter is like intentionally conflict avoidant, which is good and cool. Part of why I like it maybe it goes too far in certain ways. Like it feels, uh, it's a point of feeling fake. There was a guy that made a meme a few days ago. I think you probably saw it. Uh, it was like Captain Nemo or something. Mm-hmm. And it was like the Cozies versus the, the Rune Cult or whatever, which was funny because yeah. I did not think there was any such conflict. And he like created one within a day. The fail dude versus the not fail dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. The thing is in that meme, one of the things on the cozy Twitter was like nervously forced vibing, which mm-hmm. is honestly maybe true. And there's like a, a sense of like um being very careful with your words to appear chipper and like whimsical, if that makes sense. <clears throat> and actually, um if you have not listened to my egg profit episode, mm-hmm. I would suggest you do because we talk about the source of coziness and like how that actually is sourced from a, an amount of people that are um, probably trying to return to their childhood uh-huh. in some way where they're trying to um, recover some lost experience and um, darkness. And actually, overall, the Egg Prophet episode is really fun and, and really cool. So I recommend everybody listen to that. It's, it's awesome. Sure. Uh, he, like, doesn't have windows while we're doing the interview, and you can hear birds and shit. It's fucking <laughs> real fucking cozy. That's great. Yeah, it's really sick. Speaking of cozy Twitter, I, f- I feel like you're – interacting with a lot of different parts of Twitter and you kind of see cozy Twitter now, like not as a participant. That's my home. I feel like it's where I started really. You think you're cozy? Um, Maybe not cozy. I don't know what that means. I feel like that's a recent coinage, but like where I started was in like the fucking Eigen robot replies, you know, were you a rat though? Um, I mean, maybe like, maybe like tacitly. I don't know if that I ever, like, did you read less wrong? Yeah, like maybe a blog here and there. I never like fucking sat down and read through his like sequences or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm sure that all of those ideas were percolated to me through just like I don't know various internet communities. And I don't know, man. I, these classifications, I've moved past them. 
Fuck it. <laughs> I've transcended. I, what I what I am now is a tech bro. That's uh mm. that's what that's what I'm gonna say. I'm a technology brother. I've I feel that actually. I, I feel like I joined the post routes, uh, but I was never a rat to begin with. Like I never read Less Wrong. I didn't know who the fuck Scott Alexander was. Mm-hmm. I didn't read any of the shit. I was a guy that uh read like the economist yeah you know and then was finance guy right finance initially initially and then i stopped reading all of that and i started reading like the fucking zen and motorcycle motorcycle yeah yeah yeah. and and then i uh you know spiritual enlightenment by jed mckenna um like who fucking knows this shit is all like everybody wants to act like they read books but Mm -hmm. like for the record there's too many of them. I apologize to everybody listening to this podcast. There's too many books. Give up. Yeah. You can't read them. I don't read. I don't read. There's no alpha left in reading. Actually, oh, fuck. I can't remember his name. But there was a guy on Tyler Cowen's podcast recently who was a historian. And he was. they were talking about writing books. And he mm-hmm. was basically just like, let's be real. People don't write. They don't read anymore. And, he, and Tyler was like, well, I read. <laughs> yeah of course you read. and this guy was like no well like you're a fucking professor like of mm. course you do but most people don't we, we don't live in that society anymore so i'm a historian but i'm already dead i'm a mm. dinosaur i'm a dead person i don't exist in the plane of meaning and mm. this conversation is pointless and eddie was really really sad which leads to to my next question which is as we approach 2022 you lost what almost two years of godless millennial hedonism to covid19 how do you think it's altered the trajectory of youth in america especially i don't know man it's made all of us have fewer friends for sure maybe like people just um kind of compensate for it as soon as uh, they like settle down somewhere and they like find their community or whatever, or it could be that it's like permanently atomized remote. And like now people just have fewer friends permanently. I don't know. That's depressing. I don't want to think about that, but like definitely for me, it meant living with my parents like way longer than I wanted to. And just like not moving out, like not seeing a lot of things, but it was basically like a year down the drain. I don't know. It's also fine. I feel like it's okay now. It, it, it was certainly the worst for a certain type of person who's like in their young 20s and it was like marginal decision between staying in their like rich coastal city and paying out the ass for no good reason and like moving back in with their parents. I assume you didn't need to move back in your parents. It was just smart. I actually just I actually just graduated during the pandemic. So like I didn't have a place out here. I was just I had no clue what the fuck was going on. So I just like went back to my parents' place for a bit. <clears throat> I once tweeted that a post rat is someone that studied economics mm-hmm. at university but sur- pursued a different career path. And you later wrote that there is no class of people so dangerously stupid as econ freshmen. Okay. Um, I was being belligerent for some reason. I, I don't think that's like 
strictly true, but it's somewhat true. All right. um, Econ 101 students are like totalitarian, you know? <laughs> so what 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 is so dangerous about econ freshmen and and the study of economics econ more than anything um is like you, you know it, it like teaches free markets and like obviously pretty um government intervention is mostly bad type of uh thing which is fine. Like, I'm not even going to comment on that on the object level, but the kind of person who is interested in like societal planning is like, has usually like some sort of author, um, authoritarian bias, I would say. Like they think that they're the one that needs to plan society. Mm -hmm. Even if that planning involves like market mechanisms, they tend to be like uh, extremely politically minded in ways that are boring to me. Like, what their goal might be to like go work at a fucking think tank or something, which I don't know. Maybe that's right for some people. I think it's a huge waste of time for most people. They're not actually that dangerous. There's too many of them to be dangerous. But the weird thing about time is like you can't spend it. You can only be it because it's not like we don't have a supply of time. I could die tomorrow. So, um, what is the best shape you've ever rotated? <laughs> um, the perfect sphere, because it requires no work. <laughs> I love that answer. Actually, that's incredible. In a Euclidean way, that was the perfect answer. <laughs> is a sphere platonic solid? I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't like situate myself within the number of people that assert that they understand Plato. Plato's dead and uh, rip. Well, actually, he's alive in every moment he ever lived, according to you. So, But he's dead now. <laughs> Damn. So, okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the key. The truth the comes whole, out. <laughs> to the whole time thing. Um do you do you actually have a question about that? Because it, like that's my whole thing. No, look, dude, I'll go read your like. I'm sure you have a thread on it or something. I'll go read it afterwards. A? I, th I think I know what you're talking about. Arrival is my favorite movie of the last ten years. So you, you once said that uh, it's all downhill once I do a podcast. Uh huh. Yeah. What What do you have to say about that? I don't know. It's like kind of graduating into like a full internet personality mode. So that's uh. It's kind of sus, but why are you doing this show? Um, I realize I have to accept what I've become. I'm just an internet personality. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope you have a great night, Rune. Good night, bro. Thank you for listening to this show. You can see more on becomingcreature.substack.com. Thank you again to Rune for being a wonderful guest. You can follow him on Twitter at TSZZL. I would also like to thank Four Shaper for the show art. Until next time. <laughs>